Hello. Before I get into the extremely juicy, vulnerable, personal shares that I have in this upcoming episode about my personal experiences with psychedelics, I wanted to let you know how you can start to dip your toes into the water of psychedelic journey work. So as many of you listening may or may not know, I have been assisting psychedelic therapy retreats over the past three years, and they are truly the most profound aspect of the work that I do. I hold it very near and dear to my heart. I cannot believe that I get to hold and be witness in these spaces where people, the fullness of people's humanity comes to the fore. It is electrifying. It's um, humbling. It is sacred. And we are opening up the opportunity to join us on retreat in Costa Rica, the magical lands of Costa Rica in March 2024. And we recognize that taking the leap to invest the time, the resources to go on retreat takes some trust building. And being able to access some of the information so that you can really feel into this decision and if it's right for you and if you feel called into it. And as such, I will be co-hosting a live session where you can learn more about psychedelic therapy and the benefits of psychedelics in your healing and expansion work, in your potentiality, in your reclaiming yourself, being connected to your true essence, your true north, your purpose. And also psychedelics, the benefit of psychedelics in group, which I think is the most profound and potent way to experience psychedelics beyond just one-on-one work. I think psychedelics in group holds a very specific medicine that is expanded beyond the one-on-one experience. And finally, Psychedelics on Retreat, you will be able to hear from past participants of our retreats, all of who we stay in close connection with over the weeks and months and years thereafter. And you will be able to ask us any and all questions that you have about journey work for yourself, whether it's with us or someone else. So if you would like to join us, this is going to be an entirely free session. We will be hosting it this upcoming Wednesday, December 13th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and it will be hosted virtually via Zoom. And you can find a link to join this session in the show notes of this podcast. I will be co-hosting it alongside Claire and Nick, who are the co-leaders of these retreats, people that I respect so much and pinch myself that I get the opportunity to work with. They are incredible, phenomenal. So come feel into our energy. Uh, There is absolutely no pressure whatsoever if you just want to come and learn more. And we would love to just be in space together. And as a kicker, we are offering $500 off the cost of our Costa Rica retreat in March if you attend this live session. So we would love to share space with you. Uh, Again, that link is in my show notes. And without further ado, I cannot wait to share my personal experience with psychedelics, which so many of you have been asking me to share for so long. This is a very long time coming, a podcast episode that is very near and dear to my heart. So thank you for being here. Let's dive in together. Here we go. Hello, welcome back to the current of your life. This podcast serves as a reminder that you are a spiritual being carried along on your unique life path, and you can feel that life path through opening yourself up to where the current is taking you, through signs and synchronicities, through inner inquiry, through psychedelics, meditation, connecting with tarot, 
inner work, inner child work, parts work. There are many, many, many paths to reconnecting with the current of your life. And this podcast is designed to be one of those pathways. And today I'm going to talk about a pathway in that has been so formative to who I am, who who I'm becoming. It's a continuous practice and it's my relationship with psychedelics. I am incredibly interested in the power of psychedelics for healing, for therapy. And I have been supporting psychedelic healing and therapy retreats over the last three years. Uh, I brought on the two co-facilitators of those retreats, Claire and Nick, on this podcast before, but I have been asked again and again, and also nudged intuitively, to share about my own experiences with psychedelics, because I would not be the person that is speaking to you right now if it weren't for very profound, heart-opening, identity-stretching and expanding psychedelic experiences that I've had. And I will continue to have psychedelic experiences throughout my life. There are some seasons where I feel more called to medicine journey work, and there are some seasons, months, even years, where I don't feel called to that work at all. I'm processing, I'm integrating, I'm living my life. I would say that that is one of the most mysterious and interesting parts about psychedelics and medicine journeys is that they will call to you if you are meant to receive them. They will call to you. You will feel a nudging in your soul. And when you don't feel that nudging, that is answer enough. There are going to be three camps of people that listen to this today. The first camp of people will have a knowing, a very solid knowing that psychedelics are not for them, at least for right now. I would equate this to the knowing that I have that I'm not going to get a tattoo, at least for right now. I have so much appreciation for very intentional, thoughtful, and meaningful tattoos. I think tattoos are beautiful. I have a really dear friend who just got a tattoo a week ago that's signifying her new sort of single journey. And there was a word that she tattooed on her body that I find to be really profound. My cousin has a sleeve that I think is one of the most beautiful things ever. And the first part of her sleeve was inspired by a trip that she took with her husband to the Bay Area where she was visiting me at the time. I think tattoos are so freaking cool. And yet I know that I don't feel called to put one on my body. And if I were to just sort of force it, it wouldn't feel right. And that is one camp of folks listening today is I know that I'm not called into it but I still have appreciation and reverence and interest and curiosity and intrigue into this pathway of healing, into this pathway of spiritual expansion. The second camp of folks listening today will feel some kind of curiosity, a little bit more openness. I could experience psychedelics. Maybe I have recreationally. I'm interested in what sort of benefit there might be therapeutically, identity-wise, and I'm open to hearing more. And to you all, I salute you. I'm so happy you're here. And I hope that by sharing my very intimate, private experiences with psychedelics that you might be able to find yourself in some of my stories today to help you build some trust and some confidence if this is a path that you really want to explore. Because a lot of psychedelics are shrouded in secrecy and mystery because they've been outlawed. They've been illegal for so many years. And we have had the war on drugs in the United States. Um, I know there are many people that listen outside of the US, uh, but there's a lot of taboo. And so 
my intention with sharing my story so openly is to take away the the mystique a bit and to share so that you have some idea of what you might be able to expect, though every psychedelic journey is completely unique, differentiated, depending on the person, the medicine, the time in your life that you take it, et cetera. But I'll, I'll share some examples today. And then the final camp of folks that will be listening are those who have either had really incredible peak psychedelic experiences before and they're still integrating it, or they have psychedelics as a regular part of their spiritual, emotional, intellectual practice. And to those folks, I say, welcome. So happy that you're here. I hope that me sharing my stories today will spark some remembrance that you have to continue helping you process and integrate your own psychedelic experiences. Shoo. Okay. So we have all heard phrases that connect us to a more profound understanding of life. Phrases like, you are not your thoughts. Everything is love. We are all interconnected through that same source love. Meditate to feel whole, still, held, loved. You are never alone. But these phrases, it's really difficult for them to move beyond a platitude into actual movement in your heart. Are you moved by that phrase? Can you experience those words as true in your body? For many of us, we get very wrapped up in our 3D reality. We get wrapped up in our current circumstances, in the barrage of daily to-do lists, of school drop-offs and pickups, of extracurriculars, of work to-do lists, of financial obligations, There is so much to be distracted by on the material plane, just in the trivialities of our mundane everyday lives. We are also very wrapped up in the past, often many of us. We're wrapped up in our stories. We're wrapped up in our families of origin. We're wrapped up in the roles that we've been used to being pigeonholed into in our families and our friend groups. Many of us are also wrapped up in victim consciousness, which is this idea that We are the victims of our lives. We were just thrust into these circumstances. We were born into them and things happen to us. We don't have any control or agency to change the things that are happening in our lives. And that victim consciousness is a very sort of low operating place to be in. It doesn't feel very good to feel helpless and hopeless and desperate to change things, but not carrying any hope that they will ever change. And that's Unfortunately, how many of us operate in our lives, myself included, even though I've had so many incredible peak psychedelic experiences, I forget all the time. I forget all the time that we have the agency to change, that we are not our stories, that we can actually peel apart the layers of who we've been told or taught to be, how we've been conditioned to be in this world, to imagine new possibilities for ourselves, for myself. And so psychedelics, the word psychedelic means soul, psyche, mind, soul or mind illuminator, soul or mind illuminator. I love that word psychedelic because to me, every time I have a psychedelic experience, I'm like, show yourself, reveal yourself to me, soul. I want to know you more. I want to know the deepest part of you, soul, 
beyond this lifetime as Nadia, the part of you that has lived many lifetimes, the part of you that is eternal, the part of you that is wise, knowing, loving, reveal yourself to me. Show me more. I want to embody you more. And so I think of psychedelics as continuing to move into the well of my soul, to dig inward, to go inward and pull out more understanding. And sometimes that can look like deep healing. Sometimes that can look like working through a very challenging experience that I've had in the past. And sometimes that's, holy shit, there is so much more available to me, more joy, more creativity, more zest for life, more wonder and awe. And just sitting in my backyard, looking up at my oak tree and watching the leaves move through the, the, uh, the, the leaves, the wind move through the leaves for hours and having that time, which I want to have sober and I have more and more of sober, but it's hard to get there. It's hard to make the space in our very busy minds and bodies to slow down enough to appreciate, to slow down enough to heal, to slow down enough to have emotional catharsis, whatever is waiting for you that your soul is wanting you to unpack and bring up. Psychedelics are often a straight shot into that place. Many people avoid psychedelic therapy because of the dreaded bad trip. Many of you listening likely know exactly what I'm talking about. I hear a very similar story from people that they may have tried mushrooms when they were 16 to 19 years old with a group of friends, people that weren't holding the space. It wasn't safe. It wasn't held. Everybody was on the substance at the same time. And in that state, it's very easy to have a quote unquote bad trip because your psyche is bringing something up to be processed but it's not held or contained in a way that somebody is holding it for you and saying, I got you. You can go there. You can go down to the well, bring anything that needs to come up out and I will hold it with you. And that's the difference between a recreational psychedelic experience and a guided therapeutic one. A guided therapeutic one, the therapist, the guide, the healer is not on that substance. They are able to have their both of their feet firmly on the ground and allow you to go into this incredible space, which is viewing your life with a 10 foot perspective, getting into the nooks and crannies of whatever needs to be illuminated. And again, you can't ever control what that is. That's another mysterious part of psychedelics. Every time that you go into a psychedelic experience, your soul, I believe your higher self will bring something else to the fore that needs to be worked with. And you can't necessarily control what that is. So to have someone who's able to hold that with you is the most incredible, safe, stabilizing experience. It can be very healing. But if you're in a group of other teenagers who are also tripping, it can be an incredibly destabilizing experience. And oftentimes those are the the experiences that have turned people off to psychedelics for life. They're like, I don't want to go back to that place. That was terrifying. I was completely untethered and there was nobody there to help bring me back to earth. I had a really bad trip when I had just graduated from college and I had done psychedelics throughout my college experience with a boyfriend that I was dating at the time. And that always felt somewhat safe. Uh, So I felt somewhat comfortable with them. But when I graduated from college, I was really lost. I had cut off ties with my family at the time. I was just 
not in a good space. I was kind of trying to outrun my childhood, trying to outrun my story, my past. I was carrying a lot of shame and guilt in my system. And I was at an entry-level advertising job where I was really struggling financially. It was really hard for me to make ends meet. And I felt like I was working so hard and I was barely able to pay for my rent each month. And it was an incredibly challenging experience. My identity was not yet formed. I didn't even know what values I had. I felt very, very lost in this world. And I went to a music festival. For those who are familiar with the Bay Area, you might have heard of Outside Lands. And I remember being at this music festival and I had taken MDMA and LSD. So MDMA is often called Molly. LSD is often called acid. I took both of those substances at the same time. And it was my first time taking acid which for those who don't know, the trip usually lasts about 12 hours, the journey. And so I started on my MDMA journey while I'd taken LSD. And the first few hours, I felt really euphoric, really high. I was dancing with my friends. It was a beautiful experience. There was amazing music. And then it got really cold. Outside Lands is a very chilly music festival. You usually need to wear multiple layers. It got very cold. And then I felt my soul almost get cold. So the MDMA had worn off and now I was in my first LSD experience and the group of friends that I was with, I had only met a few weeks prior and everybody went home and I went home as well. I got an Uber and I got, I I went home and I was alone in my bed that night and I couldn't really feel my extremities or at least I felt like I couldn't in this journey space. And i just felt really out of control. I felt really lost. I felt very lonely. And I remember laying in bed, being like, I never want to feel like this again. I never want to feel like this again. I was crying. I was incredibly inconsolable. There was nobody there. I was living with roommates at the time that I hadn't gotten to know. Uh, So we were kind of strangers to each other. We had met on Craigslist. Ironically, I'm actually officiating the wedding of one of these roommates in a few weeks. Uh, So she ended up becoming a lifelong friend of mine. But at the time we had just met, And I just remember feeling so, so isolated in this experience. Now, what went, quote unquote, wrong here? How was this not held? So the first thing is that I was in a completely overwhelming and overstimulating environment. A music festival where a lot of people often try psychedelics for the first time is probably one of the, the least therapeutic environments that could uh, you could happen. And people have wonderful experiences because music is such an incredible soul connective experience. But the experience that I had of trying to get home, trying to move through the throngs of people, get an Uber, it was just too much for my psyche. I felt it amplified my sense of aloneness at that period of time in my life. I didn't have a safe person there to hold this feeling with me. The emotions that came up during that time were soul illuminating. That's exactly how I felt in my life. And it was in that moment that I couldn't continue running from these feelings of feeling estranged from my family at the time, of feeling not connected to friends or community, of feeling um, not quite sure of myself and what my path was as I just graduated and I was holding my first full-time job. And so all of these emotions that I was distracting myself from working very long hours at work each week, all came spilling up to the surface. My soul in that moment was saying, all right, Nadia, enough is enough. It's time to work with this. It's time to process this. If I had had a safe person there, a therapist or anyone else to sit at the, you know, the foot of the bed 
on a chair in the, in the corner of the room to process as I was crying in, in my bed that night, things could have turned out very differently for me. But what I just remember is putting on a playlist of calming music uh, from you know, my middle school years, what I used to listen to at the time. I think it was John Mayer. I love John Mayer, by the way. And I self-soothed in that moment, but it was really hard for me because I didn't have many tools for self-soothing at the time when I was 22. So that was my one of my bigger, quote unquote, bad trips. It lasted for a really long time. I remember being there for hours, feeling incredibly uncomfortable and unable to calm myself down. I didn't know how to find my way out of it. I didn't know how to soothe myself, to heal myself. And that is how psychedelic experiences can be redirected when you have someone there to be able to hold your hand metaphorically or physically. It was quite a few years before I felt brave enough to find my way back into psychedelics again, recreationally. It was actually when I found a wonderfully grounding and reflective group of humans, group of friends in my life. And it's actually through this group of friends that I met my now husband, my partner, Scott. And we actually had the opportunity to be friends for a couple years before finding our way into romantic partnership. So there's just a depth and a sense of safety that I felt with people in my life that I had never experienced to this point. And so in the safety of this group, I started to open myself back up to recreational psychedelic experiences. And it was during this time in my life that something incredibly traumatic and unexpected happened. I don't want to go into the full details of the incident, but there was something that happened where involving my dog biting another person. And it was extremely traumatic. The person is okay. So I just want to caveat that. But what happened in the moment, it was like one of those moments that you can't unexperience. It was a crisis and it was really, really intense. And I held a lot of responsibility because I had been present at the time. And it was kind of like a freak incident and situation that happened. Oh, and I can even feel the emotion and the panic of this situation as I talk about it again. But I am able to talk about it so openly because it was only a couple days later that my partner and our best couple friends and I decided to do a psilocybin journey to process it together. They were going to hold space for this. This was sort of one of my first sort of therapeutic, like quasi-therapeutic psychedelic experiences in that we were not doing it recreationally just to have a good time. We were doing it actually to process some emotion. And it's so cool in hindsight that my friends had the intuitive nudge to to do this for me because it was really life-changing. So I remember as the psilocybin mushrooms, and I guess I should caveat that each psychedelic has what I consider to be their own consciousness their own personality, their own way of working on your psychic and energetic bodies, your emotions. And mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms are very playful. They're very silly and they're very heart opening. I find that I'm more connected to wonder and awe when I take psilocybin. And they're often equated to the little siblings, the the little siblings that sort of like can play, they're like fairy energy. It's very powerful medicine for inner child healing, reconnecting to your inner child, 
getting in touch with what they need that they may not have received in childhood. So taking the psilocybin mushrooms that evening, I remember feeling them in my heart and I just started to cry. I cried harder than I had ever cried up into my life up until that point. It was a guttural cry. It was heart-wrenching. There was a lot of snot, a lot of tears, and I was crying so hard that I started to make myself laugh. I was I was laughing at how ridiculous I looked just like full body crying. And then I oscillated back into the cry from there. So there were these waves of beautiful cathartic tears crying that turned into laughter that then turned into tears again and it was just moving amongst the circle of people that were around me as well. They were caught up in it as well. And then when I started crying again, they put their hand on my back. And it was just this incredibly powerful experience of the human emotional body. Our bodies know how to process emotion. A child knows how to cry long before they know how to laugh. A child knows how to throw a tantrum. A child knows how to scream in anguish. A child knows how to move these big emotional storm systems through our body somatically. But we're conditioned out of it. And so being in that inner child psilocybin space, I could fully let myself feel the fullness of the pain that I was experiencing. And after several hours It was finally, we were coming down um, and my partner and I went back to bed and I remember staring up at the ceiling and he was just holding my hand and he was like, how are you feeling now? And I was like, honestly, it's going to be hard for a long time. This is an incredibly traumatic experience. And also I feel so much more at peace with giving this the energetic space that it needed. I cannot believe that this is the first time in my life that I actually took time out of my life to process how big this was. Over the several weeks following, I sought out therapeutic support from a therapist and we integrated and processed that psilocybin journey, the experience that happened with my dog, what the next steps were. We brought it back into my life. So it wasn't just the psychedelic experience itself to process it. It was also taking continuous time out of my life. And I want to equate this as if something big and unexpected or even traumatic happens in your life, it's kind of like breaking your arm. That is trauma to the body. So breaking a bone is really intense. Many of us, when things that are traumatic happen, especially in childhood, when perhaps we didn't know any better, we are taught to just continue going on with our lives, like keep pushing forward. Many of us do this. And so what happens is we learn to basically live with a broken arm and it's painful, but we sort of like learn our bone kind of grows weirdly around it. And we kind of just like know how to, how to move around it and how to work in ways in which it doesn't bump up against that broken arm, which is crazy that we do this emotionally. We expect really intense things that happen to us to just go away, to be suppressed, or we just kind of avoid those activating experiences that will bring it back into our emotional foreground. What I experienced in this moment for the first time in my life is breaking my arm metaphorically and taking the time to get it into a cast. And that was the psychedelic experience for me. It's like, let's wrap it up. Let's really pay attention to this. It's hurting. It's in pain. 
And then I rehabilitated my arm. I went to physical therapy. I did exercises to heal it. That is what I equate to the therapy that I did thereafter, the integration, the journaling, the time that I spent with myself to process such a big experience in my life. I did not ignore it. I did not pretend that it didn't happen. I did not move on with my life. As I had done with every other challenging experience I had had in my life up until that point. This was a huge turning point for me. I experienced firsthand that if you actually, I I know it sounds so simple when I say it like this, but if you have a big emotional experience that changes your life, to take a time out, to get surgery, psychic surgery, to rehabilitate yourself, to give it the energetic and emotional space that it is asking you to take out of your life, you will be able to move on. That is how I'm able to talk about this experience today. And while I still feel the emotion of it, it will never not feel emotional. It is not overly activating. It does not destabilize me. It does not take me out because it took me out at the time that it happened. And that realization really kicked off my healing path, my self-growth path. I was addicted. I was hooked. I was like, I want to go back to all of the painful, challenging, or even traumatic experiences I've had in my life, and I want to excavate them to the same way. While it is incredibly useful to process things at the time that they're happening, they're freshest then, you can still go back to that broken bone that kind of healed in a weird way and like heal it now. There's, there's never... It's never too late to go back to experiences from the past. I'll hear from older folks all the time who seek me out for services, for client work, and they'll say, I don't know if I want to go back to that place. There's been so much time that's passed. Is it worth reopening? And my answer to that is similar to the psychedelic conversation of you'll be called into it if you're called into it, but it is never too late. Pay attention to your life. What is happening? What are you reliving in the present moment that's actually a past experience that's trying to come into your present reality to be healed now? What do you have dreams about often? What pattern are you seeing repeating itself in your life and where did it start? Our past is always trying to heal itself through us. How I view my healing path now is that it's a simultaneous path as things that are big come up in my life, taking the time and the effort and the intention to heal them now, while also paying attention to what things, experiences from my past are coming up now to be healed in the present moment. So psychedelics, soul illuminators, are incredibly powerful for revealing where healing needs to take place and guiding you through the emotional experience that needs to happen to honor that experience to process and to ultimately let go of it. That is why the mantra for the psychedelic retreats that I support is in and through. The way through is into experiencing, processing, integrating. That is how you're able to move through it. Even though all we want is to go around, to circumvent, to go above, below, around, It is really interesting how hard our psyches will work to avoid pain and discomfort. And that's why it's so 
counterintuitive, you know, taking the arm breaking example, when we break our arms, if we have to like re-break the bone to heal it, like, oh, and even as I talk about that, that's never happened to me luckily yet. I'm like knocking on wood, but it feels so counterintuitive that you have to experience more pain in order to heal yourself. Another great example is going through surgery. If you have to heal men something in your body and surgery is the best way to do so, the best intervention, it feels counterintuitive because the recovery from that surgery is going to likely be acute. It will be painful. It will be hard. You will have to take time out of your life. And that sucks. It might feel easier to just have the mild discomfort that you're experiencing and just live with it rather than taking the time, effort, money, engagement needed to go through a surgery. So that is the same exact thing that happens in our psyches, mentally, emotionally. So that's one avenue of psychedelic soul illuminators. But another avenue of exploration, of play, one of my favorite ways to experience psychedelics, soul illuminators, is to illuminate where you are being initiated how you can more embody the essence of who you came here to be. That sounds very lofty, so I'm going to share a really potent example of this. When I was experiencing the height of lockdown pandemic times, it was New Year's 2020, I took a large dose of psilocybin mushrooms with my partner and a couple other people, This was a different experience than the one that I just named about the experience with my dog. And it was this night that it was more of a a party. It was more of an exciting time. We were celebrating New Year's Eve. And yet in the midst of this celebration, I felt this intuitive nudging to go upstairs. And I went upstairs to a bedroom and I felt this intuitive nudge to go into the bathroom and I went into the bathroom and there was a mirror on the back of a door there of the bathroom door. And I intuitively shut the bathroom door and I sat cross-legged on the ground and I looked at myself in the eyes. And sometimes you hear, you can probably hear me smiling because I think it's a little bit silly, but sometimes people can tell you when you are experiencing a peak psychedelic experience, not to look in the mirror. And the reason why is it can feel destabilizing for some people to look at the face that they are so used to seeing in the mirror and see something different. And the reason for that is because for the hallucinogenic category of psychedelics, such as LSD or psilocybin, you will hallucinate sometimes. Sometimes you will see visuals or or ways in which, you know, things are, are changing and different. For instance, I was looking at a tree that day. And it looked almost as if it was blooming. It was beautiful. It was an incredible visual that was augmenting my current reality. So I I totally understand how there is the advice, the well-intentioned advice given to not look in the mirror, but I really was trusting my intuition this moment to look at myself, to, to meet my gaze in the mirror. And I remember meeting my eyes in the mirror And what I saw changed me. I saw my face growing older and younger, moving back and forth between very young childhood all the way to end of life. And it was so powerful 
to see basically the span of my incarnation in front of my eyes within seconds elapsing between the oldest and the youngest version of me. And there were tears streaming down my face. I felt so connected to the brevity of this life as Nadia. And also connected to all the different ages that I had been and that I will be. As I continued to watch my face morph, I then sort of intuitively stared deeper into my eyes, my actual eyes. And it was there that I met my higher self, my soul self, the essence of who I am beyond this incarnation, beyond my physicality, beyond my identities that I carry in this life. I felt a very wise, timeless part of myself. This is the first time I had ever connected with her, although I don't want to gender this part of myself. It feels completely beyond gender. And I connected with the soul self and I, I was scared. I felt very intimidated. I felt naked. I felt afraid in a way. And yet I also felt some sense of peace, of knowing, of home. And I asked this version of myself, the soul self, the capital S self, I was like, how can I embody you more? What do you want to show me? What do you want to tell me? And I heard a voice that wasn't out loud. It was kind of like in my psyche. And that voice said, pull up your hair. So I pulled up my hair and I know this sounds really silly, but this was one of the most mind boggling, profound moments of my life. And I can't even fully put it into our, into words. And that's why psychedelics are so hard to explain, but I'll, I'll give it a go. So I put my hair up in a bun on top of my head, which I know sounds silly. It's my Mulan moment. And I looked at her, looked at myself, my soul self in the mirror. And I was like, okay, like what now? And then I heard this voice that said, cut it all off. And that was just like such a wild decree to receive. I was like, what? And it was like, cut it all off. And then afterward, I heard a voice that said, you are the mother. You are the mother. And to be honest, I am still integrating that statement. That is going to be a statement I feel I'm going to be processing what it actually means. It's going to continue revealing itself to me. But in that moment, I had this knowing that you are going to create a completely new branch of lineage. You are going to become the matriarch in both a physical and metaphorical sense. You will mother many in this lifetime. You will be the mother for many, the mother archetype for those that are your physical children, but also many more who are not connected to you biologically. I felt this deep sense in the patriarchal energy from Scott, who is still downstairs at this time, that we were intended to be partnered together. And this was years before we got engaged. Um, this was still at the beginning phases of our relationship, the first couple of years. And I just felt this profound wisdom and connection to my life path, though I couldn't see the specifics of what it was at all. And then all I was left with is cut off all your hair which still to this day, I'm like, that's so weird. But there was this depth of knowing it wasn't coming from my mind. It was coming from my soul. And so that was New Year's Eve 2020, mid-February 2021. I did end up cutting off my hair. I ended up getting a very short haircut. I shaved it off. The sides of my head were shaved. And it seemed very dramatic to other people. But to me, I had this very cool, calm knowing within me. 
And what ended up happening is that as I cut off all my hair, it was a spiritual experience for me in that my identity, I have very thick brown hair. My identity was always very much wrapped up into my, into my hair, into my physicality. And I was raised with very traditional beauty norms. My mom is both South American and Middle Eastern. And these cultures have a lot of more traditional gendered stereotypical beauty norms. And so I always received the message that your hair is beautiful, leave it down, keep it long, et cetera, et cetera. So cutting it off felt like a huge break from the cultural norms that I had been raised within and also a huge break from how other people experienced me and how I moved through the world with long hair. And it's such a small thing that I questioned whether or not I wanted to bring it onto this podcast and talk about it, but it had a very, very profound impact on me because I started to observe how I moved through the world differently with short hair. People responded to me differently. I embodied less the stereotypical ideals of beauty to other people. And what I mean by that is I, I invited less people flirting with me in public, for instance. And yet how I felt is more beautiful than I had ever felt in my life. I felt like having shorter hair accentuated my eyes. I felt more connected to my soul self, my higher self. I felt powerful. I felt empowered. I felt connected to my femininity and my masculinity. I felt open to the path that my life was going to reveal to me. I felt like the mother, whatever that meant. It, it was more of a feeling and an energy frequency than anything else. Uh, my partner really loved my short hair. And so I had this experience where I felt more beautiful than I had ever been. And yet my outside reality wasn't quite matching my insides. And it really taught me how easy it is for our identities to be fully formed based on what other people say or don't say to us and how people act toward us. Oftentimes based on identities that we have no control over. I happen to be able to change the, the length of my hair, which is a small, small fractional aspect of that identity. But all of a sudden I was recognizing my external reality does not dictate my insides. My insides dictate my outside reality. I have to go inward in order to be connected to my greatest essence, who I really am, not just who I've been taught to be, not just who I've been expected to be in my family of origin, in my peer relationships, in my partnerships, in my work environments. There is a part of me that is so much more than any of those things. And it was this psychedelic experience that kicked everything off for me, starting this podcast, starting my business, going back to school to become a therapist, getting into human design, all of these things continue to reveal themselves to me. And I'm still on the path to embodying the phrase, I am the mother. It's still revealing exactly what that means. I might never fully know, but it's more of like a current, truly, that I'm tapped into when I say that phrase to myself each day. I want to share one final example of a psychedelic experience that I had that I think encompasses healing beyond yourself through your generational and familial lines. So there is a member of my family that passed in quite a tragic way. And I never 
had a connection or relationship with this person while they were alive, because while they were alive, they were quite angry and embittered. And I never quite felt connection to that, to that death. And yet it's a death that very much transformed my family. It changed people and people have been processing and grieving this person's loss since, but I've, I've never been able to quite tap into it because I, I never had a relationship with, with the actual person when they were alive. I had a ketamine journey, sound healing, a therapeutic sound journey and ketamine. I kind of want to give its own microphone for a second because it's the most recent psychedelic that I've tried only in the last year. And I held a lot of judgment against ketamine because I know how it had been used recreationally when I saw it out. And I just didn't have a lot of desire to try this thing. And yet I continue to be presented with opportunities to work with it therapeutically. And I finally said yes, because my curiosity got the better of me. And there, there was this knowing within me, like there's something here for you. And I'm so happy that I listened to it because ketamine is unique for a variety of reasons. One, it's in a category all of its own. I have never felt anything that feels quite like ketamine. It's different than MDMA or LSD and psilocybin. And it only lasts an hour, which I find to be very interesting that you can have such a profound psychedelic experience and then be back to your life soon after. And this is also the only class of psychedelics that is legal in clinical settings. So there are ketamine clinics popping up all over uh, the U.S. at least. And again, I know there are many people that listen outside of the U.S. So curious what the stages of legality are in various countries. But in the United States, ketamine is legal if you find a legal clinic. And that's because ketamine is very safe. And that's because ketamine is incredibly safe. There aren't a whole ton of contraindications for ketamine. And it is very, very well documented because this medicine has been legal, legally used as an anesthetic since the 70s. So it's incredibly well documented and the risks are very well understood in medicine. And that is why there's such an incredible pathway here. Not to mention that this medicine only lasts for an hour which is different than other psychedelic experiences, which can last from four to even 12 hours sometimes for LSD. And there is something so powerful about being able to have this peak psychedelic experience and then be back at your day, you know, within an hour and a half or two hours later, which is what makes it such a fantastic candidate for clinics showing up throughout the U.S. at this time. So I had a therapeutic ketamine experience. And it was during this experience that I felt I got into a place where I wasn't thinking and I'd never been there fully before. And many people experience being able to get to this place meditatively. And I am actively working on doing that right now, being able to get into meditation states of not thinking, but I had never been there before. I, it sometimes will take years to build up to that state of meditation, especially with my mind. I have a very, very busy mind in human design. I have a defined Ajna, which makes a lot of sense as to why my mind is constantly firing. And so it's just harder for me to get into those meditative states. So I, I felt myself there during this ketamine journey. I felt very safe. I felt very warm. I felt very loved. And during this sound healing, 
I just continued to take deeper and deeper breaths. And I felt myself sinking more into my mat, feeling more connected with myself, feeling very, very at peace with my life, feeling a ton of self-trust about exactly where my life was at that moment. And then it was in this state that I was able to actually connect with all of the people in my life. I was sort of like floating through the ethers, touching in with each of the people in my life and sort of tucking them into bed and then kissing them on the forehead. It was really sweet visual. So I was kind of flying around the ethers, astral traveling, tucking everyone that I love into my life, smoothing out any indifferences or misunderstandings, helping to just send love to everyone in my life. And I felt this enormous sense of love, peace, compassion, understanding, self-trust. From this place, I felt this family member who had died float into view. And I didn't feel the normal resistance that I feel to this person. I felt so much love, so much empathy, so much compassion and understanding. And it's hard to fully put into words the healing that happened in this moment, but I felt our hearts expanded and connect to one another. I felt this person almost explaining or showing me how their life was very difficult and the pain that they had actually taken on from our family lineage. And there was very profound generational healing that took place here. My heart was very much opened to them and at peace with them. And what I brought back into my life after this experience is a greater capacity to hold space for the grief that my family is going through and also a greater understanding of the patterns that I've been born into and the legacies that I'm here to be made aware of as well. More than any other psychedelic, I actually use ketamine regularly, probably every six months. Uh, The experience that I feel when I do a ketamine journey is like I'm returning my body back to its factory settings. It feels like I am clearing everything out. It's like I've been a computer that's been bogged down by too many programs. I have too many windows open. My computer's getting hot. It's too much. So I just feel like it clears everything out. And there are many other ways that I do that. I do that every morning through a singing meditation and journaling. And ketamine just feels like the deep cleaning that I get at the dentist every six months. There's some way in which psychedelics cleans me out, clears out my psyche better than I can simply by myself. And that's my practice for right now. That's what I'm called into for right now. I'm very open to having years of my life where I'm not drawn into psychedelic experiences. As I was preparing for my wedding a few weeks ago, it's now been a month and a half, as I was leading up to the wedding, it just felt so psychically overwhelming for me to have that much attention on me and my partner, to feel the pressure of hosting, to feel the expectations I had of myself, society had of me. And I did quite a few ketamine journeys, three in the months leading up, where I was able to continue to come back to myself, to continue to move through the anxiety that I was feeling and feel connected to wholeness and love and the purity of the experience I was hoping to have. So I do want to share a few caveats here. So the first is that psychedelics are not for everyone, which I mentioned in the beginning, but I just want to emphasize and underscore and put an exclamation mark on this point that if you feel called into it, amazing. Make sure you find spaces that are safe, professional, held with integrity 
Make sure that you feel comfortable. Make sure you feel held. And if you don't feel called into it, that is amazing too. There are so many ways that you can get into this place of illuminating your soul of healing. The other caveat I have for psychedelic work, if you do decide to journey, is that you will always receive what you need to receive. Trusting whatever comes up is meant to happen. Sometimes I have these grandiose ideas of what I want out of a psychedelic journey. Like I want to be inspired professionally in a certain way, or I want to feel connected to my past lives or whatever it is. And then I have a journey that actually just brings up the fact that I haven't been eating very healthy. And I'm like, oh God, like I wish that I had something more profound than this, but actually that's what my soul was showing me. The greatest blockage to all that other stuff is. That's why it's so soul illuminating. It's like the thing that's hiding in plain sight that we refuse to look at seems the simplest, but actually will have the biggest impact on our own well-being and wholeness. I deeply believe that there is a healing intelligence that exists within each of us. If we get quiet and still enough to listen, there is always a next step for our own wholeness and expansion and potentiality. The other thing is I hold psychedelics with so much reverence. You never know what you're going to get. There is no one size fits all journey or trip. Every psychedelic experience will be different based on what your soul wants to reveal to you that day. So are you open to what it has to show you? Are you held? Do you feel respect for the medicine that you're using? Or is it more in a party or a recreational sense, which is okay too, but know that there is so much sacred potential there. Are you holding it with power and sacred intention? The next piece that I want to caveat is integration. It is not enough to have the psychedelic experience itself and wait to have that be brought back into your life to assume that you will have the psychedelic experience and it will just change everything overnight. You need to bring intentionality. You need to have space and time to continue processing what you just experienced, to pull back these insights and these messages to weave into your day-to-day reality. And that doesn't mean to make major changes in your life immediately. It means to continue to carve out space to sit with it. There are many ways to do this. The easiest and free way is to just sit your butt down and journal. The other way is to find integration circles. There are many different places where you can find those integration circles and they're very powerful spaces for processing. The other is through seeking one-on-one support therapeutically or otherwise where you can be held in your experience in the same way that I was by my therapist when I was processing the experience that happened with my dog. The last thing is, of course, um, that I am, while I am a therapist, I am an associate marriage and family therapist. I am not a doctor. And so it's very, very important that you consult with your medical provider in terms of getting into psychedelics. Um, How might they interact with the medications that you are already on if you're on any medications? And I feel really confident about the ways in which the psychedelic retreats that I support are held because the co-facilitator is actually a licensed nurse practitioner who also received a certification in psychedelic guidance. So he is really well-versed in the different medical consultations that need to happen leading up to a retreat. But that's something that you should absolutely take seriously as well for yourself. 
And the last thing I want to leave you with is that we are here to be alive with the wonder and the joy and the creativity of being human. We can often lose our way there. We can lose our way back to this birthright that we have to really enjoy being alive. And it's because it can feel really challenging to be in our 3D reality sometimes. And I think of psychedelics as one of the most powerful ways that I have, tools that I have for getting back into my childlike wonder, my play, my joy, my creativity. I didn't talk about microdosing on this podcast, but if you'd like to hear me talk about microdosing, my experiences with that, I would love to share more. So let me know. You can send me a message, an email. You can DM me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear about your psychedelic experiences if you'd like to share. And I hope that this opened up something for you, that there is perhaps some curiosity that you have that you didn't have before or a way in which this podcast helped you integrate your experiences. Thank you so much for listening. It feels so good to record this episode and to be with you all through the ethers whenever you listen to this. I love you. Keep shining and we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. The fact that you're still here is so meaningful to me. I would love it if you feel moved by this podcast, if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, or if you want to give me a rating and or a rating on Spotify. These are the ways in which this podcast grows in ways that feel organic and authentic and good. If you want to share this with a friend, if you would like to reach out to me directly, I love hearing from people who listen to this podcast. And I want to just share one final reminder that you can join me live on December 13th for free, a live Q&A session where you can learn about the power of psychedelics for your own journey, for your own current of life. I would love, love, love to meet you or reconnect with you there. There's a link to sign up in my show notes. All right. I love you very much until we meet again.